Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. For all you elk hunters out there, Chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana. This is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. An ecologist, Meredith Root Bernstein, at a zoo in Paris, recently observed Visayan warty pigs using tools during their nesting process. The Visayan warty pig is a critically endangered native to six Visayan islands in the Philippines. Although, due to habitat loss and hunting, the Visayan warty pig currently can only be found on two of the six Visayan islands. There are only an estimated 200 left in the wilds of the Philippines, but among those, they have been observed rolling objects against electric fencing to see if the fence is live or not. The pigs, a group of pigs is called a sounder by the way, would roll rocks against the fence and listen for that tell-tell tick tick sound of the electric pulses grounding on the rock. If the rock hit the fence and it didn't make the tick, tick, tick sound, the pigs would move through it. But if the fence ticked, the pigs would move on, potentially saving their bacon from a painful shock. If that observation is accurate and the conclusion correct, it doesn't sound like a big stretch that a pig would be able to move some dirt around with a stick, which is what they've been observed doing. Tool use in animals is always an interesting topic as the ability to use tools has long been considered a part of what makes us human. Now the sample set that our ecologist observed is very small and the tool use was witnessed under the unnatural conditions of a zoo. But this observed behavior may mean that we still don't know all there is to know about an animal humans domesticated some 11,000 years ago, which I think is pretty neat. Not to mention the fact that an ecologist with the maiden name of Root found pigs using tools. <coughs> Speaking of tools, this podcast is powered by steel. 
If you have branches and leaves falling all over your lawn, head on over to Steel Cal, S-T-I-H-L-C-A-L dot com and check out all the non-stinky, quiet, neighborhood-friendly power solutions to your problems. My battery-operated chainsaw lives in the truck this time of year. I find it mighty helpful. This week, we've got aliens and UFOs, spots, stripes, avian allies, and so much more. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. I'll start off by telling you that the New York Times just published an article addressing recreation and wilderness. Should our public places be sanctuaries or playgrounds? If you are a listener to the Week in Review, then you already know our public lands and the management thereof is a lot more complicated than that. This article also touches on bicycles, as well as bicycles powered by electric motors or motorbikes, and their effects on wildlife compared to hiking. I'll just let you know, I don't think it is a great article, but it did have a great paper within it. A meta-analysis of recreation effects on vertebrate species richness and abundance. This paper was published in August of 2019, and it's a good one. Well done. I encourage everyone to look it up and read it. People have an effect on wildlife just by being out in the woods where wildlife live. No different than if a mouse walks through your living room, the mouse has an effect on you where you live. (laughs) I also had a minute to dig up a really good article from the June of 2016 issue of Bicycling Magazine. This article outlines the use of Strava, an app that bikers use to keep track of their personal times on trails or roads or a mix of both, and they can use that data to make fun of each other and try to outcompete each other as well as just outcompete themselves. This data has been used against biking in some cases by proving the occasional point of other trail users that bikes go too fast on certain sections of multi-use trails. The point of bringing up this article is not to show off my, quote, myopic perspective on use of lands belonging to everyone, not just us hunters, end quote. That quote is from a one-star review I received on iTunes. But not that. I am pulling the article, Your Strava Data Could Be Used to Ban Cyclists from Trails. California cities are using speed and GPS info to bolster anti-cyclist measures. Here's what you can do to keep your local trails open to mountain biking. I am pulling that for you, not because I am sticking it to the bike community, but because this is an excellent article demonstrating how a portion of the outdoor recreation community can and should police itself in a multiple-use system. This article is a worthy read regardless of your outdoor pursuit of choice. Dig it up. Go read it. Meat Eater Season 8 will be releasing on Netflix October 18th. Yay! Considering it is fall, don't binge watch this fantastic, inspiring educational content. Go outside, breathe the fresh air, and when eventually you become exhausted, then you may return to the tube and watch my good buddy, whom I love like a brother, Stephen Ranella, and a bunch of other folks, eat good food, travel amazing places, and learn right along with yourselves. Meat Eater Season 8, October 18th, only on Netflix. And finally, to wrap up the housekeeping... Thank you so much to everyone that read the story about my New Mexico elk hunt, love, and loss at TheMeatEater.com. Many of you reached out on Instagram and through email at AskCal at TheMeatEater.com to tell me about your own experiences and how those experiences have shaped you as hunters, conservationists, and people. Really good stuff. So thank you. I appreciate it more than you know. I apologize for not being able to return everybody's emails and messages. 
If you have no clue what I'm talking about, I lost all the meat for my elk on a recent hunt in New Mexico. If you've never been through that experience, it is a terrible and tragic thing. One angle a listener and reader brought up that got my wheels turning is a real head-scratcher, and it has to do with food waste. According to the Natural Resources Defense Council, the average American throws out a combined 400 pounds of food per year between restaurants and at-home food waste. The USDA estimates that in 2010, a cumulative 133 billion pounds, or $161 billion worth of food, wound up in the landfill. Now, I would wager that this cumulative food waste happens, for the most part, without us consumers thinking of it. In my case of food waste, I was basically slapped in the face and nose with a conservative 220 pounds of once edible, now rotten elk, all in one stinky lump. Now, waste is waste, and one figure doesn't justify or make the other figure easier or acceptable, but I would wager that if everyone had to take stock of their own food waste in a face-to-face sort of way, a sort of smelly, shameful New Year's ritual, we'd all be a heck of a lot more conservative with our dinner plates, bulk purchases, and shop placement. I think about food a lot, to the point that I may just get more enjoyment out of the cutting, packaging, planning, and sharing of meat than the hunting of meat itself. Possibly. I think about how people used to procure food versus how they procure food now, or how they will procure meat in the future. The discussion of how we'll begin to colonize Mars has got me to thinking. A planet where literally nothing is foraged, hunted, or even grown out of native soil leaves humans eating lab-grown meats, spawned in vats, and insect protein. I am all for new things, but I will hold off on the Mars menu until, you know, I end up on Mars. To be clear, I am all for space exploration and the idea of discovering life beyond ours, but it is so much more convenient when the space life comes to us. Which of you listening right now took a class in school about family finances 101? No one? Me neither. Like the importance of a will or a college savings plan or even life insurance or estate planning, we have to know these things. But how do we figure it all out? That's why I'm excited to partner with Fabric by Gerber Life. Life insurance is important to me because I don't want to be a burden on anyone ever, especially when I'm dead and I can't chip in to, you know, lift heavy things and do stuff like that. That's why I have life insurance. And I know you don't want to be a pain in the ass because you're listening to my podcast. So get life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You could be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. If you've got kids, and especially if you're young and healthy, the time to lock in low rates is now. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meatfabric.com slash cal. That's meatfabric.com slash cal. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash cal policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions o'reilly auto parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road o'reilly auto parts offer friendly helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs if you're confused about what part you need like what wipers are going to be the best what replacement headlights are going to be the best go into o'reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing they've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock either in store or online so you never have to worry if you're in a jam 
Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? You need a brake light fixed? You need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits is not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Us. Recently, a couple of New Mexico elk hunters had a run-in with, quote, oddly clothed, very tall figures with strange heads and a large white object. This all happened outside of Taos, New Mexico, near Pot Mountain. Pot Mountain is named after pottery, not the drug. The two men, aged 41 and 26, had gone out to locate elk prior to the season. That first morning, one of the men found what at first glance appeared to be two other hunters in the area. Although only 35 yards away, the two figures managed to give him the slip before he could close the distance and talk to them. Later, he described to his hunting partner that the figures were too tall and their heads were too big to be hunters. That next day, the two men headed out to explore the rest of the zone as they were still elkless. While driving the roads of their zone to determine why the elk were not present, they noticed a large white tent-like structure. As they were driving past the structure, mid-debate on what its purpose was, they lost sight of it as the road dipped. And, just like the figures the prior day, when they got to where the tent should be, it was gone. Furthermore, the two explored the area where the tent had been, and the area that should have shown the normal signs of a camp were completely untouched. This is not the first time hunters have reported strange encounters. In Idaho, another group of hunters back in 2000 reported a gigantic triangular craft that passed over their campsite. Two of the hunters even got a look at the object through their binoculars. The question always comes up as to what is the credibility of the witness. Who is involved in these encounters? Is it trustworthy? Joe Rogan, episode 1361, features an interview with a former Navy pilot who had a documented experience involving a UFO. 
We can take that account as credible, as this was an incident reported by one of our best, and the U.S. government. Top men. If you're a skeptic, keep in mind UFO just means unidentified flying object. We saw something and we don't know what it is. The reason I take the New Mexico bow hunters account as credible, as in these guys saw something they can't explain, is based solely on the fact that they gave up their public land hunting spot, and they aren't getting anything out of it. No money. No fame. They fully admit in the article from the Taos News that there are always elk in the Pot Mountain area. That's why they stuck around, and that's what made them go a little further and look a little deeper in the area than they normally would have. They blew up their honey hole for no reason, and that's what gives these two credibility. The only hole in their story, as far as I can tell, is when the older hunter, the 41-year-old, described the two could-be hunters, he said their heads were too big, leading me to believe he either hasn't been hunting that long or doesn't have an Instagram account. Moving on with a couple of quick hitters from our What Animals Teach Us desk. Do you remember when we reported on the escaped zebras in Texas? Well, a recent study by a group of Japanese researchers in which they applied zebra stripes to black cattle, zebra-striped cattle reduced fly-repelling behavior such as twitching and tail-flicking by 20%, and the number of flies observed on the zebra-striped cattle was less than half of the amount of flies on the unstriped cattle. According to a paper titled, The Economic Impact of Stable Flies on Dairy and Beef Cattle Production in the U.S., the economic loss due to flies is estimated at $2.2 billion annually. If cattle are swatting flies, they aren't eating. Currently, in order to combat flies, pesticide sprays or powders are used. In theory, a non-toxic paint could replace all those pesticides. And hey, if it works for cattle, think of the DEET and mosquito-free summer scene in a fashionable human application. Time to invest in that spray tan technology. Another interesting thing in regards to animal patterns, this one with spots instead of stripes and giraffes instead of zebras, some interesting research is being done studying the relationship between the coloration of a giraffe's spots and how they relate to the animal's social status within its tower. Tower is what you call a group of giraffes, by the way. The research found in the Journal of Animal Behavior suggests that male giraffes with darker spots are more dominant and solitary, while the lighter spotted males are more social. Previously, it was thought that coloration was related solely to advanced age. This research, conducted over a 12-year span involving 66 males at Namibia's Atosha National Park, would contradict this. Of the 66 males, only 9 of the males had their spots fade with age. Quick fun fact about the giraffe spots is that we now think that the spots act almost as reverse solar panels, as it turns out that under each spot is a dense patch of blood vessels that could promote heat dissipation. If that's not cool enough, no pun intended, giraffes have valves within their veins that prevent blood from rushing to or from their heads as they maneuver their six-foot-plus long necks from ground height to tree height. Additionally, the veins and arteries in the legs of a giraffe are actually smaller in diameter and thicker-walled in order to prevent blood from just following gravity and pooling in them. But back to the social experiment. The solitary dark-spotted males and the social light-spotted males deployed different mating strategies as well. 
The dark-spotted males would travel from tower to tower, spending the periods in between towers alone, and the light-spotted males would stay in the towers with the females at all times. The dark-spotted giraffe was the dominant male while in the tower, but when he was gone, the light-spotted males could mate with recepted females, which, again, they never left. The dark-spotted giraffe, the original tall, dark, and handsome, mysterious stranger, would often show up to new towers only to find they did not contain a receptive female. But when the tower did contain a receptive female, the dark-spotted dominant male was allowed to mate. You can come to your own conclusion on what's the best mating strategy. I am sure you already are. I think for our own social experiment, those of us in the single scene should use the giraffe as an example of what you're looking for in a potential partner, not the fictional unicorn. For my bold listeners, maybe try this out and let me know how it works for you. Hey, I'm looking for someone social and fun to hang out with. You know, a real light-spotted giraffe. Or maybe you're more of a risk-taker, not afraid to be alone, so you're looking for that dark-spotted giraffe. You get it. Let me know how it works out. Moving on to our California desk. I'm beginning this segment with a disclaimer. I'm not beating up on California or Californians when I feature California content. I've spent a lot of time in the state, I have a lot of folks from California that send me articles, and with the exception of one really odd run-in at a bar, possibly in Carlsbad, the winter of 11-12, that involved Junior Seau, and for the record, he and his table were behaving very appropriately. Also, for the record, one of my friends had to make the point of saying, hey, pro football guy over there. Then, there were a bunch of wickedly intoxicated Sunday football fans who were definitely not behaving, and some of which were definitely interested in fighting only people of my size. Aside from that incident, I have had nothing but pleasant experiences in the state of California, and I mean you no ill will. So, that being said, we are going over to our California desk to talk about rodent removal, rats specifically. Back in June, California EPA officials sent out an email alerting everyone that the use of a second-generation anticoagulant poison would be used in a courtyard to control growing populations of rats. This courtyard was shared with the daycare center for the government facility. And it was the daycare center that had to basically keep the kids inside due to the amount of rat urine and feces found on and in the play equipment. Now, if you remember from our earlier episodes of Cal's Week in Review, I talked about how mountain lions had been found with rat poison or poisons associated with rat poison in their system. The anticoagulant poison does not kill immediately. The rats or gophers or whatever critters eat the rats or gophers tend to wander around before expiring, giving other animals more opportunity to eat what they see as easy prey in a doped up rat. This is not new or uncommon. This is why poisons are known as indiscriminate killers, and the use of poisons should be closely monitored, which the state of California has done by restricting the use of second-generation anticoagulants to licensed professionals. California EPA received some 243 pages of emails ranging from outrage in regards to the use of rat poison to outrage in regards to not strong enough poison used, and a few that even offered some alternate solutions. These are quotes removed from emails from Owls for Peace, courtesy of the Sacramento Bee, sent to Cal EPA Undersecretary Serena McElwain. Quote, 
Although we recognize you may have found an affordable owl rental contractor and not thought to inform us, we would rest easier in our minds if we knew, with certainty, that our keen-eyed avian allies were swooping down soon against the rodent menace. Should you be considering the vicious mongoose, however, we would suggest you reconsider. They are unreliable. That's all I've got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you're liking what you're hearing, tell a few friends. Maybe even that dark-spotted giraffe at the coffee shop. If you want to write in and let me know how I'm doing, do so at AskCal, that's A-S-K-C-A-L, at TheMeatEater.com. Drop me a review wherever you can by hitting that furthest right-hand star, and I'll talk to you next week. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust-Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop that's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks, sent right to your door visit mauinuivenison.com that's m-a-u-i-n-u-i venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order